Well, welcome back to the When I Heard This podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. Hi, Joseph. Hi, Nate. What's going on? Not much. I don't think people are going to be able to hear any of that. Nah, I don't think so either. Just up top, we want to say that we have a Patreon, and if you want to go there and help support us that way, all the money we get from there is going to be used on social media to try to gain more followers. If you think and believe in the the podcast and what we're doing here, then go over there and support us in that. Let me mention something from the top okay. real quick. I, I think, you know, as we're going through this, one of the reasons um, we're doing it is because it kind of led off from deconstruction, right? So right. we're talking about deconstruction and what deconstruction is. And I hope that what these episodes actually are allowing is for people who are considering deconstruction or are going through deconstruction for this to be part of the conversation that they're having as they're wrestling with essential doctrines that they're considering deconstructing. And so I hope that as we go through here that, that again, this could be part of that conversation for them to join in and listen here and consider, do I really want to deconstruct this particular belief, you know, that, that I've held or that I'm considering to hold. And so that's, I hope, so I hope this is helpful as we're going through these, these quote unquote essential doctrines is for people who are really questioning, not only about Christianity and faith, but who have maybe been there and are considering deconstructing. And I hope this gives some conversation to that because it's, I think, uh, Nate, you're asking the questions that so many people are asking and to be honest with you, asking the questions that lead people to go, you know what, I've got all these questions, someone's giving me answers, I'm just going to deconstruct this thing. And so I do hope that it's a, a, a form and a way to, again, be part of a conversation in a healthy manner um, as we try to reasonably go through the thought process of deconstruction. And Joseph is saying all this because we didn't expect these episodes to go this long, but yep. I have too many questions about these topics. And if we were going to talk about them, then I was going to get my questions answered. So, <laughs> right. And, but I, but I do think it's just, I really think it's important for people who are deconstructing or considering deconstruction, or maybe you just have questions about Christianity or faith in general, that these again can be, like, these are the questions you would want to ask. And so they're, they got asked or hopefully not, you know, or hopefully some of them got asked for you and, and hopefully the answers, although they may not be completely satisfying, that they at least lend to the conversation and the thought process one is having when thinking through deconstruction and thinking through, do I want to believe this or do I want to continue to believe this? So, all right. So what is heaven? So this week, what is heaven? Heaven and hell this week. <laughs> heaven and hell this week. Yeah. So real light topics. Yeah, real light. Not not anything big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not even not anything big. It's just <laughs> the rest of forever. <laughs> right. Just your eternities at stake. <laughs> yeah. So all right. So what is heaven? What is heaven? I'm gonna simply state that it's God's home. So it's God's home. And so what I mean by that, like, so he is there. Christ is you know, the ascended Christ is there. God's throne is there. And at least in the views that we see of heaven in the book of Revelation, there seems to be this continuous worship that is happening as well. And so, yeah, so it's a place saturated with God's presence. And thus, it's a place of rest, of love, of peace, and of joy. And for me, that's that's heaven. It's where God is. So does he have a pool table? Does he have a pool table? Uh, I don't know. Does he have a basketball hoop? I don't know. <laughs> we will find out. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was about to get into some stuff with, like... Like when you read about new creation, and in, in what I mean by that is in Revelation twenty one and twenty two, it talks about heaven coming to earth, and it's like God is re like basically recreating the cosmos, um, and so like you have new heaven, new earth, and so like we're going to be living our eternity in new earth. Yeah, there may be a pool table or ten or whatever. So there may be pool tables and basketball courts, but like everyone, I'll be down with that. Everyone's perfect at it. So there's no point in playing. 
I don't know about that now. Okay. I mean, we won't have... I mean, that would suck to lose in heaven. <laughs> or maybe we just... Now that I think about this. Right. I shouldn't have asked this question. Right. But maybe it just leads to a point of like, hey, I lost. Okay. No big deal. Hmm. He's better than me. <laughs> I'm good with that. Like he, it, Beat Jesus at pool. <laughs> you may not beat that guy. Yeah, yeah what up? <laughs> Like, you may beat me. I'm not sure you're beating Jesus. He owes me 20 bucks. <laughs> I am pretty sure this is not the way it's going down. Okay. Uh, yeah. But I. We, well, we're we'll going to keep going. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. What is hell? So if heaven is simply stated as God's home, where God's presence is, where God is, then and it's a, where heaven is a place of peace and joy and rest and love, then I think what we see Hell is like the opposite of that. Hell is a place where one is separated from God. So if in heaven, God is so real and so tangible and so there and it's inundated with his presence, then and you're, and you're completely with God, this would be the opposite of that, where one is actually separated from God. So it's not a place of rest. It's not a place of love or joy or peace. And actually, the New Testament uses language to describe hell like it'll talk about it as being like fire and darkness as weeping and gnashing of teeth as destruction and torment and those are the that's the language the new testament uses and granted it may be more symbolic i'm not saying there's like literal fire going on and but that, that or darkness but the idea is that it's 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 worse than what we could imagine it I can imagine a lot of really bad, bad stuff. stuff. Yeah. And the reason because of that is because we have no bearing of what it's like to be completely absent of God's presence. Because God's presence is here on earth all the time. Correct. But isn't devil demon presence here present yeah, most but of the time? <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying the devil and, and the demonic realm is not real and not present, but I'm also saying that there's a sense of the, the Holy Spirit, that God's presence is here. There's a sense of restraining of lawlessness, as it talks about in Thessalonians. There's a sense of God's Holy Spirit drawing and wooing us and being active in our lives. And when all of that is gone, when all of that's removed... That's what hell is. That's what hell is. It's okay. complete absence of God. So here we have like a back and forth, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Yeah, or almost like a buffer from it just completely... Completely going all bad. Okay. Yeah. Because God's here. Because God's, yeah, exactly. Okay. Will there be a new hell when new heaven and new earth happens? Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So, yes. Okay. And, and so often we hear that as referred to as like the lake of fire. Okay. So in Revelation 20, it speaks about all of Hades, hell, being thrown into this lake of fire. Okay. And so that's the lake of fire. That's, again, a whole other, maybe, I don't know, it's another topic per se. We can kind of go into that. But that's the picture of eternity for those that do not know the Lord. It might be fire, but it might be metaphor. Mm -hmm. Correct. Where is heaven? Physical location, where is heaven? (laughs) Yeah. Right. So I know, so scripture... Longitude and latitude. <laughs> like, I need, you need exactly where it is. You can go, <laughs> go there. You know, it's interesting because scripture talks about heaven being up and mm-hmm. hell being down. And again, I think that's just metaphorical language, too. Like, mm-hmm. That's not really talking about heaven is actually physically up and hell is physically down. Scripture speaks, like in Ephesians 1, of it being a spiritual realm or heavenly realm. I don't think that we're talking about a physical, or we're not talking about like some kind of like physical temporal location in this cosmos. And so we're talking more about a spiritual realm that we cannot see. And so to be able to say this is where physically it's at, I can't answer that question. I tried to ask you this last week a little bit. I okay. Think. When we die... Mm-hmm. Will we be at the end of time since these okay. things are outside of time? So, like, when I die and I get to heaven, mm-hmm. will all the Christians that have ever lived and will ever live mm-hmm. be there already when I get there? 
Okay, I see what you're saying. So, like, in other words, like, you kind of, you die, and then, like, almost like your first conscious thought or understanding is being there before the Lord with every Christian that ever was or ever will be. Yeah. Okay. No. Me- meaning, will I be at new creation already? At that point, because, no. Because the the war is already won the second I die. You know, yeah, the yeah. war at the end of Revelation or whatever sure. is already won the second I'm dead. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, because, to, you know, as... Doesn't doesn't that mean that there is a timeline in heaven, even though it's outside time then? To be absent from the body, okay, is to be present before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And Hebrews chapter 12 already like talks about like this cloud of witnesses, in other words, and if what it's referring to is the individuals listed in Hebrews 11. So in other words, there's all these men and women of faith that have gone before us that are, are actually in heaven presently. Okay. So when you die, you will go and be in a present reality of heaven. And so in, in a sense, what you're talking about at that point is, yes, there's a, there is this thing of time that's waiting for... The Lord's return. Okay, so so when we say heaven is outside of time and space, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that it doesn't have its own time. Yeah, and again, I'm not sure how that time works. Okay. You know, if I put it like, because there's obviously a point we're going to be in heaven, and then there'll be a point where we will be coming with the Lord. And so upon his return, what that time feels like for us, I I don't know. Okay. If I were to die right now, Mm -hmm. basically I'd have no friends in heaven. In heaven. (laughs) Because they'd all be stuck down here still. Yeah. Well, that would suck. Well, you'd meet a whole (laughs) lot of really cool, amazing people. Well, that's true. Yeah, but would they want to talk to me? Like, who am I? (laughs) Yeah, they'd want to talk to you. All right. Absolutely. Like, uh, yeah. So, like, you want to talk to Moses or Moses, yeah, or Abraham or right, David, whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I just want to know where all the Roanoke people went. So I'm gonna go find any of them and see what happened. All right, you yeah. can do that. So where is hell? Is it in the center of the earth, like all of the fear mongering Baptist elementary school teachers from my elementary school told me it is? Uh, no, it's not in the middle of the earth. They literally played us. I was like five or no, not five. I was like six or seven. And they literally played us like, I guess a bunch of people. This is what they told us. A bunch of people dug really far. And then there was a sound recording and they were like, hear that? That's a sound recording from this giant hole that they dug. And you can hear people burning in hell. And they showed it to a, they made us listen to that at school when I was seven. Yikes. Yeah. So anyway, is that true? That's crazy. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, No, I mean, does it talk about... Yeah, again, I think we have to... We're reading language about, you know, going down to the depths and Sheol and fire and all that. Like, we, I think we have to realize that so much of that is symbolic language. It's not literally these things. Just like heaven is a spiritual realm, so is hell. Okay. Yeah, so it's not like located, quote unquote, like in the center of the earth. Like hell, scripture actually tells us hell was actually made for angels that had fallen before earth creation or before Adam and Eve, seems like at least before Adam and Eve were even created. Did God know he was going to do all this stuff? Like, did God know he was going to make these new places and have it be like this before before we, Adam and Eve, did the thing? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So God, in his foreknowledge, yeah, knows everything. Okay. The heaven and hell that exist right now that I will end up at when I die Mm -hmm. are not going to last forever. Correct. Because heaven will, at, at some point again, the saints will come with Christ upon his return for the thousand year millennial reign of Jesus. Okay. Okay. And so we will return with him then. You know, we will go before the great white throne of judgment and all those kind of things. Oh, we're going to have to come back here? <laughs> I can see you're not too thrilled about that. No. Yeah. 
<laughs> You're hoping to be I'm done with Earth this place. Sucks. Get me out of here, type of person. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I understand that, but <laughs> think of it this way: You're actually getting to return with Christ. Mm. So it's going to be a whole different dynamic. And then, yes, then eventually there's the new heavens and the new earth, that whole new kind of quote-unquote cosmos that God's creating. Okay. So our eternity as believers will be spent in this new heaven and new earth. Is God going to do all this again? What do you mean? Okay, so where did angels come from? He created them. So we're... Oh boy. Were angels on a different earth in a different universe before that went through this whole process and and now they're up in heaven with him? No, no, they've always been with him. Is God going to do all of this again? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. No. So there's no indication in the Bible that, that this whole thing could happen again. No, it like repeats itself like Groundhog Day or something? No, I mean like... We all end up in new... New heaven, new earth. New heaven, new earth Uh at the end of this. And then God sits there and makes another universe in his hand or whatever. Ah, I got (laughs) you. And there's a new group of whatever's there that go through the same process that we go through in our Bible. Right. No, there's no indication that that's going to be the case. I mean, could that happen, though? If God felt like making more... Stuff? I'm not going to say no to that. Okay. That's a interesting, interesting thought. Okay. Yeah. This whole earth life thing has a beginning and an end. Right. And then it's over. Right. So he could just do it again. Tell us about your timeline. I, <laughs> I guess it's theoretically possible. Okay. But there's nothing in scripture that leads me to believe that would be the case. All right. What is heaven like? Yeah, I think it's, if you can imagine perfect peace and perfect joy, perfect love, you know, that's heaven in terms of, so that's like what it would feel like, be like, you know, we will be in spiritual bodies, um, so not physical bodies like we have now. And, you know, there will be the Lord on his throne, worship is going on, and at the same time, it seems like the Lord has... According to John, anyway, the Lord has prepared a place for us. And by that, I mean he has taken the time to say, you know, this is this is your abode. This is where you will be and dwell. You know, what all that entails, what all of that looks like, I, I mean, Scripture just doesn't give it, like, black and white. But if you can, I mean, if you can imagine perfect, perfect peace, perfect relationships, if you can imagine perfect that's that's what it'll be. Okay, what what will it like feel like? Whatever the greatest joy you've ever experienced, it will be that a hundredfold continually. And same thing with peace and same thing with love. First Corinthians 13 says that we will know him even as we are known by him. And so in other words, we will know Jesus. We will know everything there is to know about Jesus, just like he knows everything there is to know about us. Yeah. Okay. Intimacy is complete, like, so no shame, no guilt, no hiding, no nothing. It's just peace and joy and freedom. And, I mean, that's that's what it will feel like. Uh, is hell a party, like I've been told? <laughs> Should I kill myself so I can get to the greatest party ever faster? Uh, no, I would not recommend that at all. Um, no, I was told that in elementary school also, that there are a bunch of people that all suicide pacted themselves to try to go to hell because they heard it was going to be a party. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You heard some really interesting things in elementary school, Nate. I went to a weird elementary school. Uh, uh, Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) This is is wild, man. Baptist elementary school in Florida. Uh Uh-huh. We're talking about like deep fundamentalist type. Yes. Baptist stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So what what is hell like? Uh, yeah. Definitely it, definitely it, not a party. Okay. Is it fire? Is it a, is it an actual lake of fire? Is it an actual like it like shown fire? To be in in the tracks that I received from <laughs> I you know it's interesting. I there is a passage in scripture that talks about it being like like this longing for just even like a cup of water because it's so oh, it's like 
tortured, deserted place, you know, like this um, desert place. There's no life. There's no, is it actual fire? I tend to think of the fire as, again, symbolic. Sometimes it's kind of hard to determine, you know, what is actual language that's going to actually represent it. And like literally, and what's just symbolic, I tend to think of that as more symbolic. I tend to think of it as a place like you're, you're, you're begging for some type of relief because of how horrible it is. And, you know, the passage I'm alluding to, the individual is, you know, crying out, basically saying, hey, warn my family, warn my friends. They don't want to end up where I'm at. I'm in hell and this is horrible. This is awful. And so, you know, I think kind of the, the language I used before when it talked about it being like this gnashing of teeth and this torment, I, I do think that's probably an accurate description of it. In other words, it's so bad. And there's so like, could you imagine like an endless unrest and, you know, mm. an endless, could you imagine an eternity with no joy or with no peace? That's what you would have there in hell. It's because, and the reason that I'm saying that, that sounds so like harsh, but like, if peace and joy and love are found in God and God's not there, therefore those things are absent from that place, then that's what you're left with. What all of that entails and looks like, I think there's a reason that scripture describes it so harshly is just because it's, it's just that bad to be void of God. How did anyone who wrote the Bible uh, hear that person say that to write it down? Right, because that story actually is told by Jesus himself. Okay. So Jesus is actually telling that story to, to make a point. And so the point is just the reality of, the, of how devoid of God and his presence hell is. Okay. You know, and it really should be in, you know, a, a driving force for us to be like, we don't want to go there. I don't want anyone else to go there. Therefore, I need to tell people about it. And so, but yeah, but the reason we know that, that story is true is because Jesus is the one telling the story. So you can at least talk in hell. Like, it's not so yeah. bad that you can't form a sentence. Yeah, correct. That seems to be the case. Okay. Yeah, based on the story. Mm-hmm. How, how, how bad can it really be then? <laughs> bad enough for this guy's begging for someone to please tell his family Okay. They do not want to end up there. That's how bad it is. Okay. Okay. What will we look like in heaven? Is there any indication in anywhere of what we will actually look like, or, or are we just spirit blobs? <laughs> yeah, we... So, so First Corinthians... Or, or will we have angel wings? <laughs> no angel wings. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry to disappoint you. You're not going to be flying about like angels. Where does that... Where does that come from? Why does everyone think that we have angel wings when we get there, then? It's, it's got to just be in, in just the traditions passed down. Okay. Like, there's nothing in Scripture about it. My guess is it's probably developed in the medieval ages because that's when every other crazy story was developed. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so there's, but yeah, there's no, uh, there's no angel wings. Um, if you're in hell, you don't get like devil horns or something. So no demon wings, no demon wings either. I know that just really bums you out. Not, not, not that I particularly <laughs> care to find out <laughs> when you're, when you're asking about like, what will, what will it be like? We're told that we will, receive glorified bodies is the language that's used in scripture. So first Corinthians 15 talks about like the way that Jesus had a glorified body after the resurrection. Okay. We will have a same type of body. And so this, this body, in other words, is perfect. It's not diseased. It's not eroding. It's not uh, inflicted with any kind of pain it is a spirit. It's spirit, right? It's spiritual. It's a spirit body, but it's glorified in the sense of like it's perfect. Okay. And so there's no sense of again, you're not worried about this body breaking down on you. Is there a holding area? Like a waiting room? Yeah, like a waiting room and a line where we find out where we're going. No. Okay. So we just instantly end up in one of the two places, and we find out circumstantial. I think we find ourselves before the presence of the Lord. Okay. And then we find ourselves in heaven or hell. So you get to see what you missed out on right before you 
burn for eternity? Yeah, I, that's a that's a good question. Okay, you know, scripture is not real clear on exactly how that part works, and so could it be that we encounter the Lord in some type of other place, space, in the sense of like, okay, we're we're before the presence of the Lord. All right, here's now you know you come into heaven. There's no like, there's not like the pearly gates, right? And so, so like he's like, okay, come through the pearly gates. Like I don't think that's the way it plays out in terms of do we actually get to does people get to see what heaven would be like? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that answer. Okay, yeah, and um, so maybe, but I just I don't know that full answer. Like, is there a whole tour? With all the people who are wondering if they're going to get to stay, yeah, no, there's before you get to heaven, <laughs> no, there's or before you get to God, right? No, there's no tour. Yeah, okay, there's no tour. Uh, we just like to separate this group from this group. Now we're going to go on two separate tours. It's through an area that is smaller, <laughs> and then there's a trap door. <laughs> okay, no tours and no trap okay. doors. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I guess you're saying there is no. Purgatory, right? Who, who who came up with purgatory? What is that? Yeah, okay. Purgatory can actually be found like as early as like Plato. Okay, so um, to and what so, did he have to do with it? <laughs> he shouldn't have had to do anything with it. And okay. so, in the sense of like, where are Christians deriving this idea of purgatory? Again, it seems like it was developed around the 12th century and has kind of been developing since then. But is there a place in Scripture that clearly says, hey, there's going to be a purgatory? No, there's not. Okay. There's no place. like The word purgatory is not even mentioned in Scripture. Okay. Does it matter if I believe in purgatory to get into heaven? Okay. So here's the thing with purgatory. Okay. The idea of purgatory came about with a sense of like, all right, you need to be perfected before going to heaven. So it's like getting washed up before you meet the queen. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. And it was like this idea of, okay, here's this space for whatever time length that you could be in to get perfected, everything right, to then allow you to go to heaven. And the problem with that is, is that that undercuts the blood of Jesus. So our belief as Christians is that the blood of Jesus is what washes us clean, makes us new, not our works. So in other words, to believe in purgatory is to believe in a more works-based salvation. So like you you suck here, and then you go to purgatory and you're you're gaining Christ-like XP before you... Right. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what it's saying. Yeah. And so... Like, okay, you are kind of okay here. We're going to work on you a little bit in purgatory, Mm -hmm. and then we'll move you on to heaven. Okay. That's a, no, like, that's just not the way it is. Like, so if I believe in, if I believe in purgatory as just a waiting area to mm -hmm. find out where you're going. Okay. That's, that's okay, I guess. Like, that doesn't, yeah, I mean, that's not disqualifying you from anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that doesn't undercut Jesus. No. Okay. I mean, I I do think, because it could be that way then. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there's a true statement that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I do think that as soon as we are absent from the body, we are present before the Lord. But can't the Lord be in two places at once? Sure, because right. he's God. Okay, so as long as I don't think that there's any extra time pl- past me dying where I can fix myself right. or get fixed right. before going to meet Jesus. So is God really going to like projector screen all of the horrible things I've ever done in front of me and go through it one by one and then like tally on one side good and on the other side bad? Um, No. Okay. It's not the way this is going to play out. All right. So there is a reality that there is a judgment that will happen before for everyone, for every individual. Who's doing the judging? Jesus. Okay. So there is a reality that. Does he have a curly wig? Um, no. Okay. No. Sorry. All right. Just you on that one, too. Um, at least I don't think he does. Okay. I wouldn't Well, think I hope he when would. he does mine, he... You want him to have a wig He on. remembers this so that he can have that, because I want to have a good laugh with Jesus right when I get there. It'd be so like Jesus to do that, actually. All right. <laughs> so, th- there's the heaven and the hell. Okay? That's like where, where we're going. But then there's like... The, there's a judgment, okay? Okay. That's happening at the end of the ages. Okay? When I die. No. 
Not right when you die. So am I going to know what the judge is going to say already if I end up in heaven when I die? So in Revelation 20, it records a an event that's going to happen at the end of the ages, mm-hmm. okay, where everyone will be judged. Everyone dead and alive. Mm-hmm. Okay. And basically the, the, the whole question is, is your name found in the book of life, okay, okay or is it not? Obviously, if you're in heaven, you know that you're book of life. You're in hell, you're not. And then it says that it says in, in Revelation 20 that the dead are judged according to their works by what was written in the books. So here's the way I guess I view this, all right? Okay. Is that to be judged by the Lord for those who are believers is not to replay your sinful past. But rather the judgment is that you are judged, because of your faith, you are judged to be accepted by the Lord and to live eternity with Him in His new creation. And therefore, and and yes, there are, you know, like you, you hear these phrases like, you're rewarded like crowns of righteousness and this kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I do think that's the case. Like I do think like there, there are rewards for what we have done in our faithfulness to Christ over the course of our lives. And so uh, I, I don't deny that, but the judgment is not like you are judged because you did all of these horrible things, but rather you're judged in this, for, this is for believers, but rather you're judged in the sense of, okay, you now, I judge you as worthy to come through and to, to be with me for eternity, if you want to put it that way, by one's faith in Christ. Those who do not have a faith in Christ, they are condemned by their works, but also more than just their works, by their lack of faith in Christ. And therefore, they are judged to not be worthy to be with him for eternity. And this is where the whole lake of fire thing comes into play. When I die, it's it's like a where I'll end up immediately judgment. And then at the end of time, it's a how faithful was I judgment. For those who have died, okay, uh-huh. and do not know the Lord, this judgment, this lake of fire, okay, is referred to as a second death. Okay. So in other words, like th- at this judgment point, th- the idea of death, like you're, you're for, you, you now are completely separated from God forever so it's gonna suck worse yes okay so when someone who doesn't believe in christ now dies it's just gonna suck a little bit well i say suck worse i'm gonna say i'm gonna i'm gonna say yes and what i mean by that is that there is just absolutely zero sense of god's presence there why would there be any presence of god in current hell because Satan used to be in he- in heaven. So is there like is there some good in him, or is there like a trace of of good? I don't want to say there's a I don't want to say there's a, like a trace of good. I think I do think this is kind of like we're getting in the weeds at this point a little bit, right? Yeah. And we're getting into the point of where Scripture's not abundantly clear. Okay. On all of this, it seems to be that hell is described again as this place of fire and darkness, torment of destruction of, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then at the end of the ages, we see that hell and the dead that are in it are judged again and thrown into a lake of fire, a second death, a final death. And some some have said at this point that, like, their just being ceases to exist. Okay. And others would vehemently disagree with that. Okay. And so, again, I don't know, I don't think Scripture is very clear on what all of that looks like and entails. Um, So, in other words, does second death and those being thrown into the lake of fire, does that mean that their existence at that point just completely ends? Like their souls are just dead. Yeah. And or does it mean that this is like the complete separation from God and his people? Well, have angels or demons died before? No. Okay. Have angels fallen, been kicked out of heaven? Yes. Right. Have they died? No. Okay. Yes. There is, and that's a good point. I mean, there is the destruction, right? 
right. of Satan and his beings. At the end of time? The, yeah, the end of the age. Yeah. Okay. It's good. And this is where scripture just isn't abundantly clear on some things. And so we just read it and give it our best shot. Jesus brought people back to life when he was like a Lazarus. So what was Lazarus doing when he was brought back to life? Like, was he in heaven playing pool with Jesus and then just instantly vanished and came back to sucky, stupid earth? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> was he playing pool with Jesus and just vanished? Um, yeah. I mean, so if we're, if we're following the premise straight, to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord, that he be present with the Lord. And so, yeah, it seems as if he was in heaven for a few days there. And then it's brought back to to earth, or as you refer to it as sucky earth. Um, and uh, I don't, uh, yeah, I mean, so that seems to be the reality for Lazarus. Does it say in the Bible whether he was, he was with the Lord or was he in hell and then got brought back? Because that would have been great. <laughs> no, it doesn't say where he was. Okay. Yeah, but no, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like, oh man, if I was in hell and I got brought back, yeah. thank God. Yeah. Right. Um, but due to Lazarus's really close friendship with Jesus, he was one of Jesus' closest friends. Okay. I'm going to assume that he was a believer. Okay. That his faith was in was in Yahweh that in and in Jesus. So this is from what I've heard about heaven. Okay. Like I know hell, you don't want to go. Yep. Because it sucks. Sure. Worse than being here, but heaven has always sounded like, like even you said in this already, like it's eternal worship. So if heaven is one eternity long church service, I don't know if that <laughs> sounds great either. <laughs> so, so like you know, given the two options, that sounds better. <laughs> But, right. but, but it's still that, not what you would draw yeah, up. That's not yeah. what I'd be doing. Right. Okay. <laughs> if I could do whatever I wanted in somewhere perfect and... Right. If I was in a body that couldn't die... Right. We'd be doing some fun stuff. Right. <laughs> I don't disagree with you, with you on that in the sense of the way you the way it, it has been framed as like this eternal church service and then we can make that connection to what we think of church service right right and we're like man i can i can make it an hour but don't push it yes. much more than that um and now you're asking me to do that for eternity mm. just uh right <laughs> like i still i'll still take it yeah. over the other place but I, so i see what you're saying so sometimes they get bouncy houses i guess <laughs> At the church. Yeah, have a barbecue as well. Yeah, have All a right. barbecue. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. No, so it's not going to be like this eternal long church service the way that you're thinking of, okay? okay. So, I, so I think two things. Number one, I do think the fact that, you know, he talks about having a, a house or place for us to dwell to be, okay? Mm. So there's going to be this dwelling place, it seems like, for us. We'll be surrounded by individuals and people, you know? And so do I think that we will just always at all times be singing songs? Because I think that's kind of what people think of when they hear the word worship. Mm. I don't think it's going to be just this continual singing of songs. Much of what the Lord is doing in this new creation, this new earth, is actually restoring the original creation. Okay? In other words, before Adam and Eve fell, before sin came into the world, okay? And so, like, even if you don't, even if people here don't believe on like in a real Adam and a real Eve, okay. Hopefully, we can. There's, but there was a goodness in creation, and then sin entered the world. Wait, there's people that don't believe Adam and Eve were people. Yeah, I didn't know that. Obviously, you got people outside of church that aren't believers that believe that. Right. Yeah, but yes, there are some people in the church world that don't believe in a real Adam and Eve either. Huh. No, I'm I've not, never heard that. Yeah. Like, I'm not like. Are they in the minority? Probably. Okay. Probably so, but they definitely exist. Huh. Yeah. But the, but so like when sin came in and it distorted everything. Okay. So but God's re renewing that His creation. Okay. So if we take it back to what it looked like when Adam 
and Eve were just in the garden with the Lord. And by the way, it is referred to as a garden again in Revelation 22. And where they, it says that they were, they were with each other, they were, that the Lord walked among them, all those kind of things. So I don't think it's like this eternal, like, choir happening in heaven, okay? okay? Like, I think that worship, quote-unquote, is not just confined to song and singing. It embraces something much larger than that, and that's our hearts are set in full love and, and full adoration toward the Lord okay. and toward others and toward his creation. Animals will be there? There's that's I mean that's a good question, right? Will, will everyone be naked in our glorified bodies? Yeah, maybe. Okay, but it won't be weird the way it wasn't weird for Adam and Eve initially. Okay, but are there animals? Very well, could be. Okay, it wouldn't be a garden without plants, right? So why wouldn't there be animals as well? Animals. I'm cool with that. All right. Right. I mean, like we actually get to see like a lion and a lamb hang out together. Right. In other words, I don't think it's completely like wrapped up into this singing before the throne at all points in times. Okay. But I will say this too. The one thing that it's hard for us to wrap our heads around now is what will it be like to be in the presence of Jesus constantly? Like we don't have a gauge for that to be in the presence of the resurrected ascended Jesus is going to be unlike anything that you and I have ever experienced on this earth. To to know perfect love from Him and to be perfectly known by Him, I think is one of those things like it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that. What will it be like? I think we can, we try to paint pictures and we try to, you know, put words to it, but I, I don't think we have a bearing and gauge for that. And so I think that in and of itself is like kind of the variable that is kind of the unknown of, oh my goodness, we want to, you know, we talk about now, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to do this with these people. I'm going to go play pool with, you know, whatever. But Jesus is there. And that's that. I mean, as awesome as it will be to hear the stories from, you know, Moses and Peter and Paul. I mean, like, okay, that's going to be awesome. But like Jesus is there, and that in of itself will fully capture our hearts, I believe. And I and I and so therefore, constant adoration of Jesus doesn't seem crazy to me. But it doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to have to be like walking beside Jesus at all points in time for that to be the case. Like in the Garden of Eden, they were completely like it is heaven in the Garden of Eden, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. But they still hung out with each other and did stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think it can be similar to what's... So similar to that. To, yeah, to the, like this whole new okay. creation is going to be like. Yeah. Except there's no snakes and, and scary apples. <laughs> right. Okay. None of that stuff. All right. So Satan got kicked out of heaven. Can we get kicked out of heaven? We will not. I, I really think it's because we will choose every second to love the Lord and to worship the Lord. So we still have to choose up there? Yeah, like, because part of being made in the image of God is free will. So we'll still have free will. Still have free will. But the, the beautiful part of, of it is that, but our remember, we're, we're, we're completely redeemed, completely given glorified bodies, so that sin nature that's in us now on the earth will not be in us there. So, so nothing tempting us to not choose God. Nothing in, inwardly that is longing to rebel against God. So we won't have any problem constantly choosing God. Correct. So how did... Like we'll, we will... We will... Sin will be eradicated. Satan will be eradicated. So, so therefore, when those things are removed, temptation itself is removed. So there's nothing inwardly and there's nothing outwardly. Because the Lord in Genesis 1 set up, or Genesis 2, set up the opportunity for there to be temptation. Because they, he planted a tree and told them, don't eat of it. Right. So he set up a variable where they could choose to sin. Okay, but we won't have that option. We No, that variable will not be there because this new creation, there is no tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there why is did no you set that up in the first place? Satan, because 
and, and this is, I think, a really important point. So I'm really glad we're hitting on this because it gave them the choice to follow or not follow. And so in each of us on this earth have our choice. Oh, okay. I got you. To follow or not follow. By the time we get to, to heaven, we've already made our choice. We've already gone through the temptations. And so now to be in the presence of the Lord after death, after our, you know, after this dying in, in our human bodies and being in the presence of the Lord, now in that place, in that heaven, in this, you know, we talk about the new creation, new heavens and new earth, there is no opportunity for sin because we've already made our choices. Mm. And so it's perfect. And so the reason that sin was or temptation was originally established was so for the choice to be made. He he had to leave free will there as part of his image. Oh. He had to give man the choice to be with him or not be with him. I'll put it simplicity. So when we get to heaven, are we not going to be in his image anymore? No, we'll still be in his image. But there won't be anything tempting our free will to... Correct. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Because there'll be nothing inwardly, right? Because we have no sin nature inside of us. Right. And there'll be nothing externally. Okay. Because it will be perfect. So what was different about Satan that he could get kicked out of heaven and do bad stuff in heaven to get kicked out than we will be? He was not made in the image of God. Okay. We are made in the image of God. God is his creator... And obviously, he had the will to choose. And we see angels later on choose to rebel against God as well. Right. So obviously, they had a free will, but nor were they made in the likeness of God in the way that we are. Once we have gone through life on this earth and then experienced being with him in heaven, there is nothing within us that would want anything else than just to be with him. When Satan got kicked out, where uh-huh. did he go? Satan was removed from what we'll call the third heaven. So from the place where God and his throne dwell. Okay. Right. I think we've touched on this before. Like we talk about the first heaven, second heaven, third heaven. Mm-hmm. Like the first heavens being like what we look up and see in the sky. Okay. Okay. Like our physical clouds, the universe kind of thing. The second heaven being this spiritual realm that seemingly Satan, demons, angels, you know, referred to as like powers, principalities are, are dwelling. And, okay. and where like spiritual warfare is actually happening and occurring. Okay. okay. And then there's like the third heaven. And that's the heaven we've been talking about today. The heaven where God is, where his home is, where he dwells. It seems that Satan was kicked out of that third heaven. Into second heaven. Into second heaven. Okay. And at some point, obviously at some point, he took access to the earth. And that's where we see him, you know, arrive like in Genesis 3 mm. to tempt Eve. But as far as like the when, like the, like the timeline's not real clear. Okay. Because we don't even know how long that Adam and Eve were in the garden prior to Genesis 3, the fall even happening. Okay. Like, I think often we kind of just, because of the way the story is written, we kind of right. think it just was... They were, they were there for a couple days. Days, and then boom, this happened. But okay. like we don't have any idea. They could have been there for a really long time. Well, Adam had to find and name every single animal, so that probably took a while. This is true. So Adam was a Adam was 130 years old when he had Seth. He lived... Another 800 years following that. So 930 years old. Correct. When did he start counting his days and years? In other words, did the sense of starting to count days and times and years only occur after the fall? Okay, so that would mean that Earth would have been outside of time. Well, not necessarily outside of time. It was definitely within time. But did, did Adam and Eve even keep track of it? Okay. They keep track of the days and the nights, right? Because that's when we say time, the way the days and nights are falling. Right. Right. So, did, but did they, when they were in the garden, you know, the, I think one of the questions is, like, when did they start tracking Adam's life? Did it happen after the fall? And now we're going to keep count of it? Or is it before? But there was nothing to track before because they weren't going to die. That's what I'm saying. So it doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. If you're just going to live 
if you think you're just, and, and they were like at that point, because there was immortal. no concept of death, right? There's no concept that. of death, so you even keep track of it. They could have been there for billions and <laughs> billions of years. I, I mean, yeah, and named right? animals as they evolved. Yeah, I see where you're going. Okay. <laughs> um, and and so. <laughs> We would have to do a whole other episode of evolution <laughs> and what we mean by that, okay. right? But uh, I don't think there's, uh, but I think there's like a, like, I think you can seriously have that discussion. Okay. Right? Like, when was, when was time starting to be really tracked? And, okay. And, 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 you know, and, and obviously most, most conservative scholars would lean toward the fact of, okay, when he was 130 years old, he had Seth. That means that that was 130 years from the point that God created him. I'm just saying, I don't know if it's quite that black and white. Like, in other words, is it really that, like, is it really that simple to come to that conclusion? Well, if they were on Earth, though, they would have experienced seasons, right? Okay, so they could have tracked things that way, potentially. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they didn't track, they couldn't track things. I'm just asking, did they? Did Adam and Eve go to heaven? Yeah, they sure did. Yeah, Hebrews eleven makes that really clear. Okay. Yeah, that by by their faith they ended up in heaven. Man, they really screwed everyone though. <laughs> yeah, not not their best moment. <laughs> so what you're saying is it doesn't really matter when Lucifer fell out of heaven compared to when Earth was made because he showed up and screwed everything up anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so can you? Can you do anything good to get out of hell? No. There are Christian religions that I have heard of or Christian sects that believe that you can like pray for people to like get out of hell and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people will ask the question of why can't they get out of hell, right? Mm -hmm. Now that they know what the consequence is, don't they get a second chance now that they know what their consequence is? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's assuming a lot. Number one, it's assuming they would actually want to have a change of heart. And of course, I understand we might go, well, that's just so bad. Like, But we don't know. They could just be in complete just rage against the Lord. But beyond that, what we really have to kind of settle ourselves on is the fact that God lovingly respects our choice to reject Him. So in other words, I think it's actually very loving of God to respect our decision to not want to be with him. We made the choice to reject God and therefore he is honoring. He's lovingly honoring that choice. Yeah. So I think it's, and I know it sounds crazy, but I just think it's actually like, that's who got like, he lovingly honors our choices, our so decisions. It's like respect. He respects our freedom enough to choose what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And if Especially we, after sending his son and telling us all the good stuff that we should be doing. Yeah, or all the or all the hope that we can have in him. Right. Yeah. And so therefore when we choose to live, you know, go our own way, do our own thing, he lovingly honors that and says, Okay, that's what you want. And so it's really like an eternity, if you were, of of that. Okay. You want to live apart from me. I lovingly will honor that decision, and that will be your state for all of eternity. Why do we have such a short amount of time to figure it out on Earth? Good question. You know, I would look back at Genesis, and you look at how long people lived. Yeah, they they got longer to decide. Hundreds of years. Yeah. It still didn't matter for so many of them. Okay. If they were going to follow Jesus or not, or follow the, excuse me, follow the Lord or not. I don't know if time is really the issue. In other words, I think there's just something within within us that just will say, you know, it, it won't matter how many opportunities I get. It won't matter how long I have. I'm just simply not going to follow the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other side is true too. Like, it doesn't matter how many opportunities I have to leave him, to stray from God. I simply will not do that. And so I don't know if time in and of itself is a factor in it. I think that we make up our own choices and our own decisions. And obviously our lifespan, like you said, compared to eternity, I mean, even 900 years compared to eternity is a short time. But 
especially now when you know we're we're living at obviously less than a hundred years, most people, then that's that's an incredibly short time. But that's also the consequence we've you know kind of reaped from the creation itself and from our own bodies, you know, just degrading to the point to where that's you know that's seemingly as long as we're able to hold up if you were. You know, okay. under disease and illness that are that we do have in our world. So when's the cutoff? When's the cutoff? This is what I would say. Okay. So with babies and with children, they're going to heaven. Okay. You know, some people use the phrase like an age of accountability, and I, what they mean by that is that they're at an an individual's at an age where they can rightly understand who God is, the offer of salvation, and there's a there's a comprehension going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think this and I don't think there's a set age for this. Okay. I think that really differs. Some kids get it younger, some kids get it older. Some of it has to do with the concept of do I even understand, you know, I mean a basic thing of like right and wrong. You know, or like owning that I've done anything wrong. And kids are just really different. Like, I mean, even my own kids, right? One of them was like four. And would be like, yep, I messed up. And he would own it. Um, I had another kid and, you know, he was like, I mean, I don't know how old, I don't know how old he was, but older than four. And you would just ask me, you done anything wrong? Nope. And it wasn't, he was lying. He was just like, nah. So I, I just think that that age of comprehension, that age of being able to understand who God is, or that there is a God, that there's God is offering salvation. I think that can differ. And a lot of people will say, well, the age of 12 or those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I don't want to put like a hard, fast rule on that. I think if you, I think a lot of kids, if you grow up in church and you grow up or in an environment of faith, it may happen a little younger because you're around the language and the conversation more. But even then, like, again, my own kids, like, one of them was four and one of them was much older than that. And so, and they were both growing up in a church environment. So mm-hmm. different kids at different ages grasp it. So before, what I'm saying is, so before they grasp that, they're not held accountable to that. Okay. They're not held accountable for what they cannot understand or cannot know. What about people who have never heard of Jesus before? Like what if Tom Hanks was on the island since he was born? And never heard of anything else ever. Nobody was there to tell him he didn't have a Bible. Mm-hmm. Good castaway didn't, reference. Didn't know anything else was out there other than his one little tiny island of hell. <laughs> like, does he get to go or does he not get to go? Yeah, so good. Good question. All right, so I think this is going to be one of the most difficult questions for any of us to answer well in a sense that we will be, quote-unquote, satisfied with the answer, okay? Okay. And here's here's what I mean by this. All right, in Acts, Paul says about God that he is the one that has set us in the time and in the place in which we exist. So in other words, he knew that you and I would be placed in the United States of America at this specific time in history. Okay. Okay. And he knew that we would hear the gospel and respond to it. One of the things that we have to give space for in all of this is that God knows who will and who will not respond to that gospel. There's the rationale then that God will place individuals in areas who will not hear the gospel at times and spaces because he knows that they will reject the gospel anyway. Okay. And I know that <laughs> I know that that's a I know that doesn't sit well with a lot of us, but we have to also understand God has the ability to make known to every individual who will respond positively to the gospel that he will give them the opportunity to do that. So, and so is there an opportunity to respond to the gospel for those that will say yes? I I have to wholeheartedly believe that's the case. Okay. That God will make a way, whether it's through people, whether it's through dreams, whether 
I mean, whatever means necessary, he will make a way for people to be able to hear the gospel and respond to it. Okay. That he okay. knows will respond to the gospel in a positive way. So even if they're in a Middle Eastern country that is closed to the gospel, we have to believe that God can make a way for the, those people who will hear and respond positively to do so. And I think that's one of the reasons we hear of all of these dreams and these miracles that happen in the Middle East, because he has to find a way where there is no other way to get the gospel to these individuals. In other words, most ideally is the is Christians take the responsibility to share the gospel to the ends of the earth, that that is ultimately our charge to do so. But yet the Lord also knows that there are places that we cannot reach. There are places that we cannot go and get into. And I, and I think he makes a way for, for, the, for Jesus to be known to them if he, if he knows that they're going to respond positively to the gospel. If I'm trying to rationalize this, I guess, mm-hmm. that would give weight to the idea of like, let's get rid of the Bible and never tell anyone about it ever. What do you mean? Because if, if random dude on an island who's never heard the gospel before can get into heaven because he's never heard it, then that would give us the idea potentially of us getting rid of the Bible outright and no mention of Jesus ever or whatever, so that none of us could ever hear it, never have to do anything good, and then could all go to heaven because everyone for generations to come would have never heard of this, which takes away from our mandate as Christians, which is to Mm -hmm. go preach the gospel. Right. If random dude on island got into heaven without anybody telling him, then we would have no reason to go preach. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I'm rationalizing that, I guess. Yeah. Okay. But other than that, it sounds horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, listen, do any of us want people to go to hell? No. No. And do any of us, and, and we want it to, we want it to seem as if it's quote unquote fair, right? Like there's a fair chance for everybody. Right. I mean, that's like, we all want that. Like there's not one of us that doesn't. Mm-hmm. I think what we have to ultimately trust in is that God can make a way for Jesus to be known amongst people groups where the gospel has never entered. So we're supposed to get in a boat, trust the Lord that he's leading us to the island where the guy is that needs to hear it. Yeah, I mean, those are the things that the yeah, I mean that's the I mean that's the thing that the early church was charged with that. I mean, Acts one eight, Jesus' last charge to the church before he ascends to heaven, you know that he says, "You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth." So that has always been the charge for the church to go be witnesses for Jesus. In other words, telling people about Jesus, and that should be happening to the ends of the earth. It's pretty amazing the amount of people groups that have been reached. It's pretty amazing the amount of people who have risked their lives and given their lives for the sake of the gospel for people to to hear the gospel. And yet, there's still people groups that are considered an unreached people group. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I think that we have a we have a charge as Christians to go and share the gospel and to make Jesus known and to make the gospel known. But I ultimately also trust the Lord to ensure that anyone who had, would have responded yes to that gospel will have heard of Jesus in some form or some fashion. I just simply have to trust that in the Lord. No one has ever seen heaven or hell before that exists on earth today, like, correct? Well, I mean, there are people that claim that they died, went to heaven, and have come back. Okay, so excluding those people. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, no one's ever been there or whatever. So, so we just had this whole conversation about these two things that no mm-hmm. one's ever seen. How do I know they're real? <laughs> I mean, the same way that you and I are going to sit here and say, "Is Jesus really the resurrected, ascended Christ?" I mean, it's by faith, right? I mean, and I mean, obviously, we can with the resurrection and with the ascension. 
there are witnesses to those things. Like mm. we can look back and okay, there's witnesses, but you know, I think, you know, the ultimate witness, if you were of the fact that there is heaven and the fact that there is hell is Jesus himself. Mm. You know, when he speaks of heaven and hell, I have to trust that that's true. Right. When, when he speaks very clearly about hell in Matthew 25, I have to, I mean, that's Jesus talking when he mm. speaks about heaven Throughout the gospel, like that's Jesus talking. So I'm taking Jesus at his word. Okay, so why is this an essential doctrine? Why can't I just believe the other essential doctrines without necessarily believing that these two places exist and then just end up in whichever place I'm supposed to end up in? It's it's not essential in the sense of conversion. Okay. In other words, I don't have to believe in this or have any sense of this. To get saved. So it's not like that I have to have this doctrine sorted, settled, or agreed upon. However, I do think it's essential and in the sense of as we mature and as we grow in Christ, as we come to understanding of the belief system in which we hold to as Christians, understanding destiny is one of the most fundamental parts of not only the Christian faith, but of any any worldview. Mm. It's what is destiny. We're trusting and believing that our destiny is not just that, well, we die mm. and that's it. If that was the case, then why do anything, right? Then who I'm cares? Too. Right. I mean, you know, if we're if we die and it just we cease to exist, then who gives a rip about God or Jesus or anything? But that's the kind of the phrase that's always been used within Christianity when talking about heaven and talking about new creation it's like like we do have like an eternal hope like there's a hope that our eternity is going to be with the lord forever so therefore i mean we're trusting and believing in something that goes and extends way beyond this life because mm-hmm. again if there's no heaven what is what does any of this matter well i'm sorry for straying so far away from the questions in this one <laughs> no problem that's what I'm here for. This is an edited podcast, so there are a lot of breaks in there where Joseph is scratching his head going, I don't know why I do this. <laughs> Just for the sheer exhilaration of being <laughs> stumped and having to figure out what I actually think about something. Well, this has been the one I heard this podcast. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google, and Rumble. We have a Patreon. We have one tier on Patreon for $5 if you want to go there and support us. All the money that we get from there will go toward pushing this podcast out further on social media. You can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Nate Robinsoff. And you can follow Joseph on Instagram at Rev Joe T. This has been the When I Heard This podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.